In this installment of the AX Insider podcast, Andy Telejohn speaks with Julie Weinberg, Vice President of Aviation Architecture with HNTB Corp., an infrastructure design firm with more than a century of working on planning, design, and program and construction management in the U.S. for airports, stadiums, and other transportation systems. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for the second episode of the AX Insider Podcast. My name is Andy Telejohn. I'm the senior writer at Airport Experience News. Uh, We're starting this podcast out with a series of interviews looking into the temporary and more permanent effects that COVID-19 might have on airport design, both on a shorter-term basis, dealing with getting travelers comfortable with the idea of even going to an airport or getting on an airplane, And then what, if any, bigger picture, longer term, and maybe even more expensive changes that may arise from dealing with this pandemic. Today we have with us Julie Weinberg, Vice President of Aviation Architecture with HMTB Corporation, an infrastructure design firm with more than a century of working on planning, design, and program and construction management in the U.S. for not only airports, but for stadiums and other transportation systems, such as roadways and transit. Thank you for joining us today. Great to be here. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. Uh, so what, uh, what is your sense for, just in kind of the bigger picture here, what's it going to take from a design perspective to make people feel comfortable enough to fly again, and how does design play into that? So we've um, kind of as a group with aviation have been tracking a lot of the surveys and articles that have been coming out, as well was uh, doing our own interviews with some of our airport clients and airline clients. Um, and really, uh, there's five big factors, but, but the biggest one is people's perception. Um, people have to feel comfortable, and what is it that's going to make them feel comfortable? So part of that is communication. Um, there's been a lot of information, and I'm going to say misinformation, Um, I'm not the expert to know what is what, but I think most people feel that way. They really don't know um, what sources to trust about um, how this virus spreads. Um, We have been getting much better information recently. Um, And I think people's um, taking personal responsibility um, and just knowing what to do has generally increased confidence in people going out. And then from an aviation perspective, a lot of things we're looking at at airports um, have to do with the density of people as ridership starts to increase again, um, looking at the flow rates, what can TSA, what can other um, institutions and um, groups within the airport do to help people um, keep their social distancing while maintaining decent schedules, um, and also the overall level of cleanliness. You know, airports, and to their credit, airports have been knocking themselves out to be clean, um, to find ways to clean, looking not only at technology, um, but just the manual labor of physically wiping everything down. Um, I know I used to travel, I haven't been traveling as much recently, but several times a week through most of the big airports in the country. And I I am always impressed at how well run airports are. They are kind of their own little cities. And so they are doing everything they can to be clean and to communicate that cleanliness and also to make things available not only to employees, but to passengers like hand sanitizer, masks. Um, if they're not handing them out themselves, they have vending machines. So I feel that um, a lot of what we're seeing, at least on the short term, is 
a, a much more deep cleaning, communicating that cleaning, and then making the supplies available, letting people know uh, what you have to do. Most airports now require masks. You have to wear a mask, but they're making masks available. So if you don't happen to have one, you can certainly get one when you get there. Um, and I commend the airports. They are, they are really doing as much as they can to try to not only make people comfortable, but communicate that. And I think the communication is the big key to this. With, uh, with the idea of airports communicating the, these uh, steps in mind, are there, is there uh, any role that uh, design you know, uh, plays in, in that? What, uh, what role, if any, is uh, HNTB uh, taking in you know, helping communicate that uh, information? Um, so as far as what's being done around design, the first part of your question, um, in the short term, I know us and a, and a lot of firms like ours are working with our airport clients to help them identify stanchions, get this, you know, get the right stickers on the floor, get spacing signs up, just to rem not only remind people uh, to maintain social distancing, but kind of give people perspective on here's six feet, this is six feet, stand here type of thing. I think that's actually very helpful, not only as reminders, but to enable people. You know, it's hard as you go through an airport and all the different spaces to really judge distance. Um, so getting those types of signs out. Also, we're seeing a lot of plexiglass partitions being installed. They're very quick and easy um, at points of sale, not only at airports, but other, other industries are doing that um, to, not, to protect the employees primarily from the public going by. TSA is looking at doing this. Some of the concessions are doing this. The airlines, in some cases, are just putting up simple plexiglass partitions to, um, so you can have an interaction, an in-person interaction, but not necessarily be breathing the same air on each other. And then we're seeing a lot of touchless um, interactions. Um, that technology has been there. They've been testing it. We are seeing that being tested and piloted rolled out much more quickly than anticipated because of the pandemic. So points of sale where you can use your smart device or you can use a, a remote screen that can be wiped down and have things, you know, either your baggage checked, um, self-checking baggage, self-ticketing and tagging of bags, um, concessions being sold so that it's kind of a, a touchless interaction. Um, and a lot of concessionaires are actually, because they have such limited seating, are now delivering to the hold rooms or delivering to other points of the airport. So you can actually stay in one spot, order food, and it'll be brought you know, to your general area. And there's a lot of logistics to that, but we see airports you know, really trying to work with all of their concessionaires to work that out. Find places for delivery, get the right signs up so it's easy for people to know what to do. Um, there's so many apps out there. Sometimes you just don't even know which app to go to, to get what you need. Yeah. And so the airports are doing a good job of helping all of their vendors communicate that because, um, the non-airline revenue, uh, created by a lot of these concessions, um, is as important to running the airport as the airline revenue in a lot of cases for keeping things solvent. Sure. Sure. Yep. Uh, space is tight in airports. Um, Standings. Uh, I, I don't remember the last time I've been able to get through an airport staying six feet apart from the person, the people around me. Uh, with social distancing in play and some airports uh, potentially looking into health checks, uh, being added to security checks already, uh, how are airports going to be able to, uh, to do all this? You say they're working hard at it. And uh, certainly, that's, uh, certainly that's good, but uh, is all of this, uh, does all of this how does all of this add up in the end? 
I, th I think a lot of um, people in the industry would have heard this, but for those who aren't, if you've seen one airport, you've seen one airport. Um, they're, they're all different um, to some extent. They have a different physical layout and a different design. And so the solutions they're going to have may be slightly unique uh, between airports. But in general, uh, we are seeing them plan ahead for longer lines. We see them encouraging people to arrive earlier um, especially if they are testing out different types of health checks. Now, at this point in time, uh, the federal government hasn't actually issued protocols or clear guidelines. So the airports are making their best, you know, using their best judgment and doing what they feel is safest for their employees and the passengers, but there isn't a national standard for them to follow at this point, which has caused some difficulty and consternation among the different regions. Uh, because there isn't a solid guideline coming from the federal government. The TSA currently is not mandating or performing health checks on passengers themselves. Um, that's a whole nother area um, that needs to have some guidelines put around it before they're, before they're comfortable doing that. And then there's the question of enforcement, of if you do find someone who tests positive or who is sick, um, whose responsibility is that? Um, and at this point, it's falling on the airlines. Um, you know, the, the airports don't necessarily stop someone who's not breaking any laws from walking around, whether they're sick or not. They can advise them if they appear ill or test a high temperature. They can advise them not to travel, advise them to go home. Um, but unless uh, the airlines, um, in some cases, are they're mandating masks. Many airlines are, are testing different studies for doing health checks on passengers. But again, there's a... the the reliability of those tests, a lot of people can have COVID who are asymptomatic and show no symptoms at all. People could have fevers for other reasons. Um, but the airlines, um, this is something that a lot of people probably don't realize, is flying is not a right. Um, the airlines are private industry. Um, you buy a ticket, that basically is an implied contract there, um, and they have the right to refuse service. So um, if people refuse to follow um, basic rules that the general public agrees are reasonable, um, airlines can restrict people from flying. Um, and that's not the responsibility of the airport. Um, right now, there's not a lot of regulation around that. I, I know that the airlines are trying to do what they think is best to encourage safety and increase the overall confidence in everyone as a group. And so restricting some individuals who are, have fevers or refuse to wear masks, that is an option that they have right now. Um, and so that's something that people, you know, really maybe need to look into. There is, there's a lot of risk, personal responsibility behind uh, your choices and the way you choose to travel. And um, the airlines, I think, are making some really hard choices. And we see a variety of, um, I'm going to say experiments, but as they try to get operational again, uh, we can see that a few of the choices Delta makes versus American versus United are slightly different, uh, but they're all learning as they go along with the rest of the public. Sure, sure. Uh, with uh, the limited footprints uh, that airports do have and with some of these uh, new things in place like social distancing, you know, uh, potentially the need for uh, more space for security if folks are going to be spaced out, uh, how does that affect other areas in the, in the airport? How do you see design... Uh, changing with restaurants, retail shops, uh, seating areas, lounges, things like that? 
right now what we're seeing while the traffic levels are low are very similar to what we're seeing out in the rest of the public. Um, the restaurants that are open are trying to space their tables and trying to spread out into the concourses because there's fewer people. Uh, you, can, you can accommodate a little less width and circulation and so they're spreading out a little bit to get table seating. But in most cases, um, they've set up grab and go. Um, they're delivering uh, to the hold rooms or to other areas. Um, and in a lot of cases, um, especially the small concessions, until you have a critical mass of passengers going by, they can't afford to reopen. Um, a lot of them, you know, putting, they invest a lot of money in opening airport and developing airport shops for themselves and retail frontage um, at an airport. And if they don't have enough traffic coming by, just the cost of opening, paying your employees, getting the supplies there, if you're not selling enough, they actually lose money by opening. Um, and, and unfortunately, we see a lot of small businesses. Airports are huge supporters of small business, local minority business. And I think, unfortunately, um, we're going to see a lot of those not reopen this year. And there's going to be a big reshuffle in not only concessions, but other vendors at the airport. But what we're seeing is very similar to what you're seeing out on the street. You know, people are spreading out. They're making room for lines and queues that are a little longer so people can spread out. Um, and then they're delivering to other airport, other parts of the airport, so people don't have to stand in line to get concession. Okay, and so some of these uh, changes are undoubtedly being driven by just dealing with the pandemic today. Uh, but uh, you know, some of these things, as you mentioned earlier, have been in place or have been underway. Some of these changes have been underway for a while. Touchless, uh, mm -hmm. uh, touchless pay, and and and, and things like that. Uh, what's your sense for the balance between how much of these, how many of these changes are short term and, uh, and how many are permanent? And by the way, we're speaking today with Julie Weinberg, Vice President of Aviation Architecture with H HNTB uh, Corporation. Um, so uh, again, yeah, short term changes versus permanent. What's, uh, where do you see this all falling out? Well, the short term changes of the social distancing and the signage, I actually think could be there for a while. And long-term, um, you know, when you're talking about adding square footage to an area, that's not a simple change. Um, but long-term, I do see the industry updating programmatic requirements um, so that we are designing for a little more social distancing. I don't think, so, you know, and here's something to think about aviation. When you go into an airport, it's like any other big public building in the city. But as you get closer to your flight, now you're in the hold room. Once you get on that plane, you've already made the choice to travel. You're going to be sitting, you know, even if, even if they block out the middle seats, you're still just a few feet away from that other person. So you're on a plane with several hundred people, depending on the aircraft. Um, so really, at what point do you make the choice that you're, what, what your risk level is? Um, going through the airport is not your highest risk if you're choosing to fly. You know, it's actually being on the aircraft for an extended uh, period of time with other people. Um, and, and that's my opinion. But, you know, even the things you touch, the amount of cleaning, I think the airlines are doing a fabulous job of trying to clean the aircraft, trying to get the right kind of air circulation with the right kind of filters. But again, even if they're filtering the air on the aircraft, it's the air right next to you. Um, and so the choice you're making to fly, um, you've already accepted a certain level of risk. And I think everyone along the way from the airport to the TSA, 
along with the FAA and their guidelines, all leads up to when you get on the aircraft. And so what we're seeing is um, the specification, looking at different materials, things that can be cleaned more easily, um, designing um, seating and spacing uh, so that one, it's easy to clean, um, easy to move to clean, um, and also um, from an operational perspective, it's not so much exactly the way the space is designed, but how you use it. Are you going to separate people boarding a plane from the people deplaning? Um, are you going to try to keep the, you know, give people the opportunity to stay segregated within their own air, you know, aircraft or group traveling so that you're only associating with the people you've already agreed to get on this plane with and not everyone in the airport. So maybe looking at the way you have traffic flow um, is something that we've been looking at at different airports to help just help encourage people to stay in their lanes uh, for, a, for a phrase. Um, and then also, again, communicating the cleanliness. I think airports as well as airlines are taking an entirely new perspective um, much more serious perspective on the frequency and type of cleaning that they're doing. And I think that that's likely going to be a long-term solution. I don't think they're going to stop cleaning when the um, rates of infection go down uh, because, at least from what I've seen, what I've heard, this is very likely not the one and only pandemic in our lifetimes. Um, we've seen several different levels of pandemic happen and different types of illness and so I think this is something that as the airlines and airports work together to figure out their basic solution, is something that's going to have to be rolled in and rolled out as the level of threat changes. So what we're seeing right now um, with the plexiglass, with the signage, um, maybe when the risk goes down, they can put some of that stuff away, but I doubt they get rid of it because they will likely need to use it again in the next few years um, for the next whatever type of health security risk there is how flexible uh how flexible are airports uh terminal buildings uh right now to be able to move around walls or to do things that you might need to uh to create uh you know bigger spaces in a security area or or uh, more spread out area in uh, in hold rooms, uh, you know, in a, on a short term basis. Uh, you got a lot of older facilities out there right now. Uh, are are some are the facilities that uh, exist in the U.S. Uh, uh, able to deal with uh, some of these, uh, you know, short term situation changes? I do think most of the airports are, are doing a good job dealing with the short-term situation. As far as space, again, um, every building is different. Every terminal building and security screening checkpoint is a little bit different. Um, they have the same guidelines imposed within, um, but we are likely, specific, you know, on some of the older buildings that are already struggling to fit the security in that haven't had the chance to upgrade or remodel, um, we are likely going to see queues that go out the door or around the corner or, you know, however the layout is. I don't know if you've ever flown through some of these big, um, some of these airports on holidays, kind of right after Christmas where you have the longest lines ever. I think uh, those type of situations have already helped prepare the airports for handling longer lines uh, because of social distancing now. It's not that there's more people, but we have to spread them out and allow them some space to spread out. Um, they're also looking again at some technology, technology solutions where um, you can check in 
and actually stay in your car, stay somewhere else and be called to security. So, you know, you can, you'll get a notice of, okay, you can get in line now. So you don't have to stand in line that whole time, but they try to space people out based on when your flight is. And as long as you arrive on time to check in, you can sit at a coffee shop or sit in your car or sit somewhere um, and, and get a notice of, okay, come get in line now so that it's not just this line sneaking around the building that, you know, they can kind of control the overall wait times. A lot of airports are looking um, at using that technology. Some of them had already started to do similar things to that. Um, I know Denver and LA have both, some of the different terminals have looked at different types of notification um, of which lines are shorter and how to help people get through security faster. And I think those are just gonna be accelerated um, in testing and rollout to let people know um, to try to keep your overall physical distance and the, just the long lines to as minimized as possible. Okay, so technology. I, I do that, think technology is going to play into it. As one as one might expect, that's uh, that, that's definitely uh, more and more a part of the travel experience for sure. Uh, again, we're with uh, Julie Weinberg from HNTB Corporation, an infrastructure design firm that's been working in the U.S. for more than a century planning and designing uh, infrastructure at airports, stadiums, and other uh, transportation systems. Um, what, uh, are there any other uh, changes that uh, you could see? You mentioned that this isn't likely the last pandemic we're gonna see, and uh, I'm just wondering if there are any other long-term changes you could see airports undertaking, uh, you know, either in the terminal or uh, before arriving at the airport related to COVID that, uh, uh, might, um, well, not so much related to COVID, I guess, but for, you know, somewhere down the line, if another COVID type situation comes up that would help right. them deal with it in a less impactful way, uh, than, uh, than what has happened this time around. Yeah. So without a crystal ball, my answer today may be very different a few months from now. Sure. Um, but I, I do think that the overall awareness of health and um, the transmission of disease, and not only just on your immediate surroundings, but country to country, um, has really made the world take a closer look um, at our interactions with each other and also our overall perception of, of health and safety. And so I don't think that is going to change where that consciousness about health, just like after 9-11 in particular with the United States, we now have this higher awareness, heightened awareness of security and the threat um, and TSA and everything that they do to try to protect us from a security point of view. I do think um, measures are going to be taken um, at a national and federal level to at least put some general guidelines in place around health um, and health screening. Now, it may be, um, I think that there's a lot of things that weigh into this. It isn't just the COVID virus itself. Um, it has to do with privacy you know, what are your rights to privacy versus your rights to travel? Um, what is the personal responsibility of, you know, each person and citizen versus the responsibility of the airlines or the government? Um, you know, and, and who's going to take the responsibility there for identifying what's safe and what's not safe and what level of risk? You know, someone who's very high risk, who has other um, illnesses or other conditions that might make it much more risky for them, they may have to make a very different decision regardless of the guidelines um, that are put in place. Um, and I think the guidelines are aimed at general public, but I think we're going to have this heightened awareness is going to lead to some level of um, consciousness and um, 
implementation of health. I don't know if I'm going to, if it's health screening, I, but it's some sort of awareness or check. So perhaps we'd have health ID cards. I know that's been talked about, but then there's the whole, you know, level of privacy related to that um, and what your rights would be. Um, and also who governs that there's, you know, the whole potential of counterfeit and, the, you know, cheating the system. Would it even be effective? Because we could invest a lot of money in a couple of these different, you know, health checks or health IDs and then have them be virtually non-effective um, if they aren't managed the right way. So I think there, I know that there are a lot of different groups looking at this, um, testing both legally and medically what might be the most sound advice to give. And we just haven't seen that advice rolled out yet. Um, but I think it's not just the United States. A lot of countries are really looking at this and experimenting with, you know, what are the right ways to protect people's health, um, as well as maintain the level of security that we were already concerned about. So sure. um, the, the hard part is with viruses, they're invisible and you can't, you can't track them uh, mm -hmm. the way you can track other types of threats. And so um, we're kind of in a, a new world. Uh, and I, and I do people a lot of times say, Oh, well, when COVID's over or post-pandemic, I'm not sure that there's ever going to be a return to exactly the way things were before. I think there's going to be a new normal and everyone will get used to it, um, but there will be um, a change in the way things are done uh, that'll remain permanent as far as consciousness around health um, and the security of both health and you know, security in general. So uh, even once uh, COVID-19 has been dealt with, we're going to be dealing with the ramifications for um, many, uh, many years down the road, it sounds. I think so. And I think that's very likely that something else will come up, you know, just like it always does. There's some new emergency every couple of years. Um, COVID is the big one now. We had SARS in the past, the H1N1 in the past. Um, and viruses aren't going to go away. Um, so I, I do think it's just, it's smart to be prepared, um, come up with some basic guidelines. And then the more educated people are about their own health and about how to protect themselves, I think the better it is for everyone. Um, not that it's, in, you know, we need to be responsible for each other and for ourselves. Sure. Julie Weinberg, Vice President of Aviation Architecture with HNTB Corporation. Uh, thank you for your time. Anything you'd like to add uh, that we haven't talked about so far. Well, thank you very much for having me. And uh, just kind of one last thought. I, as we mentioned before the interview started, I do tend to be an optimist. I, you know, I have a, I have a really positive outlook on the industry. The, the aviation industry in particular has gone through a lot of downturns over the last 50 years, and they always recover. Um, this is a tough one, um, and it's going to be very hard on a lot of people, but I do see the industry recovering um, and I do see um, society in general getting back to travel and enjoying travel in a variety of ways not just flying but uh, public transportation and trains and um, I am optimistic um, it's going to take a while um, but it's not it's not the end of the world today well the sooner you're right on that one the better it'll be for all of us uh, thank you again for uh, taking the time to uh, uh, be a part of the AX Insider podcast, and uh, we'll uh, keep in touch down the line. Great. Thank you, Andy. Thank you.